Welcome to the More Life Podcast, where creatives, problem solvers, and entrepreneurs talk about squeezing more out and finding meaning in this crazy thing we call life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the More Life Podcast. I am your host, Bart Aniston. If you're new around here, welcome. Welcome to the More Life Podcast. Uh, we're having a great time talking through some fundamentals about business and business management and growth and creativity. If you have not listened to any other episode before, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to a couple few. We have some amazing guests on and we have some more that we're preparing for the summer as we move forward, marching towards 100 episodes of the More Life podcast. So, let's dive in, okay? We don't have a lot of time. I like to keep these ones short. And this is birthed out of multiple conversations with different business owners, agency owners, entrepreneurs, people that I talk to when I'm even prospective clients. You know, they people are, are oftentimes trying to figure out what can they do to help their businesses grow. And growth inside of a business and specifically inside of a creative agency it takes a lot of fortitude because, you know, you're going to fail at a lot of things in that practical vocational aspect of your life where you're just kind of clocking in, clocking in, clocking in. But at the same time, there is a other side of the coin where every day, every week, every month, every year, you learn so much because of the last portion there, that, that practicing where you do it all the time. Every, every agency wants growth. And they want to grow rapidly. Every single agency wants to grow and grow rapidly. But missing a key step can cause you to stumble. If you build this you know, on rocky foundation, then when the time comes for growth, all that stuff starts to crumble. And it will limit your vision for success. So if you don't get it right at the beginning or earlier on, when you get too big, there might be problems. And this caused me to have multiple conversations with people explaining what I'm about to explain to you guys. I thought it'd be a valuable lesson, something that you could use in every aspect of business is understanding its core functions, understanding how it actually operates. And maybe we'll do this as a series. Um, but I think that people need to fix a lot of aspects of their businesses. And the number one thing that you need to consider when you're trying to grow and have substantial growth is to fix your thinking, your mind, your purview, how you see things. And you need to do this in three ways, your knowledge, your understanding, and your practice or your discipline. Um, the, having good understanding and knowledge is going to help you with the practicing part where you earn your stripes, where you, where you start to become more disciplined because you have an understanding of what the end results can achieve for you and for your business. So let's dive right in. We're going to talk about overall the function of a business and what that looks like. And we're also going to talk about how you can level up your game. The number one thing I think people fail to, to, to realize when they're talking about trying to get somebody to use their service or their business, trying to get somebody to, to call them or to sign up or whatever, is basically how humans have evolved over time with, you know, purchasing and making decisions and buying things. It was not that long ago where the only thing that we had was, you know, 
no choices. We were just trying to survive. Trying to survive is extremely complicated because you're just trying to eat as much as you can right now because you don't know when the next meal is going to come. Think of like even medieval times, Dustable era. We've been living in a, in a great uh, era of lack for a large period of time. And only now recently have we industrialized food preparation. Have we now started to commercialize products? Why? Because we have dollars, we have cents, we have options. And so the first thing you have to understand is why people make a choice. Well, it's because they've never had a choice before, and now they do live in a world where we do have choices. We are able to make decisions that are going to affect our lives. So how do you want to be seen, right? Because now it's like, okay, I want to be, I want to have some soup, or I want to have some chicken. I want to have a salad, or I want to have lasagna. And those are just generic foods, but because we have options, you have to understand, well, what happens in someone's mind for them to be able to have these options and for them to have these decisions that they're making. I just finished watching Mad Men. I, I mentioned this in a episode previous. Uh, and, you know, you see a lot of how in the 60s and 50s, how they were producing and showcasing why people might want to spend an additional dollar for something. They were showcasing what something did different compared to another item. This is the advent of advertising. Well, what were we advertising? We're advertising your option to choose. And when you think of like, let's say a car, you can have a car that costs $2,000. You know, I think of myself, I have a nicer car and a very old car. The nicer car costs me, you know, over $25,000. The old car uh, is probably worth right now about 1000 bucks. They both get me to point A to point B. They both have four wheels and an engine. They both take gas. One is worth more. Why? What are the things inside there that make it worth more? And why do people decide to purchase one or purchase the other? Why do you drive this car? Is it out of necessity? Is it because it's the only choice you have? Did you have an additional choice? Let's say you only had $2,000. You could buy a beater Honda Civic or a beater Toyota Corolla. Both, you know, reliable, decent starter cars, student, you know, low budget, whatever it might be. Okay, so why did you choose the Honda? Is it the feature set? Or why did you choose the Corolla? Is it the reputation or the, the drive comfortability? Like, there are many different things. But what you need to understand when you're talking about a brand, people ascribe or prescribe themselves to a brand. They they attach themselves and associate themselves to what this means because they understand when I make a choice, my choice is public. The world sees me and I see the world. So when I buy an Audi or a Mercedes, it's because it aligns itself with my values, my belief, my taste. This is what I like. This is what I want. This is how I want people to see me. We, you have the the stereotypes, the stigmas, you know, of people that drive white BMWs, right? Like there's there's a way that society sees a person who starts their day off with vector cereal or special K versus Fruit Loops. There's a way that the world sees you or the world that you want to be seen by purchasing this versus that. 
And this plays a huge part in the psychology and the buyer's psychology of why people make certain decisions versus others. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here in this moment uh, talking to you guys about this because I, I want to emphasize the importance of understanding people have choices and they choose things because it feels or aligns itself with who they really are. They are trying to describe what it is that, that makes them as a human. They're trying to identify or, you know, attach themselves to a greater meaning. So you, you, you are telling the world who you are and you're also finding the other people who are like you. Notice how people of a certain type of segment behave the same way. There are people who are outdoorsy, who feel like uh, the North Face is too commercialized and it's not necessarily specific enough to the outdoors community. You have people who are diehard, in Canada anyways, MEC, MEC, Mountain Equipment Co-op, uh, uh, you know, fanatics who like the idea of being part of a co-op. They like buying those house brands. They know that they can get, you know, something fixed or talk to somebody if something goes wrong. So it's not just that the product is good or it's not just that the product aligns with their values or beliefs, but it also aligns with the fact that I also want to be seen by others using these things. I want to I want to subscribe to this tribe. Subscribing to a tribe allows you to also engage with others. It's a sense of community. So when you're talking about your business idea or your new venture or your service or product, understand that you are selling a tribe. You're selling something, and we're going to talk about selling in a little bit, you're selling something that is going to be more than just a transaction, but you're selling somebody something that is going to be based on buyer psychology. Selling is not easy, and uh, it takes practice is what I, I guess I would rather say. It's not easy if you don't know what you're doing, and it's not easy if you don't understand what your role is in that uh, uh, song and dance. So why do people prefer one thing over another? Uh, most people think that it's transactionary. Most people think, I'm going to offer a service. I'm going to give somebody, uh, you know, something. They're going to give me some money back. I'm going to clean the windows. They're going to give me dollars. And that's not necessarily how it works. See, you, you have to understand what transformation can do for your business. Transformation is a step above transaction. Transaction is a basic understanding. It's a... It's, it's, a, it's a rudimentary understanding. It's, it's, it's lower grade. Having an understanding of transaction means that you haven't really thought out what your place is and what your consumer's place is. So first you have to understand who you are and who your company is and who your audience is, who, you, who you're actually targeting, who you're trying to sell to. Everyone is trying to get somewhere. We're all trying to do something. So if you're in a position where you're offering a service, don't think of it as a way to earn an income. Think of it, a way, think of it as a way to solve a problem. The problem you're trying to solve is whatever is, is troubling your client. 
they have a current state that they're in right now. The reality that they live in right now is is frustrating them, is undesirable. And they also have an aspiring reality. They have a future state that they aspire to be in. And it's your job to mind the gap. How do I get them from here to here? How do I get my client, my customer, somebody who I'm trying to sell to, how do I help them transform into that future state, into that aspired reality? If you can sort out how to do that, your business is going to thrive. You're going to have lots of customers. Now, there's, there's a few things you have to remind, remember yourself here. When you're thinking about having lots of customers, all that kind of stuff, understanding people's problems and getting them to the transformation and all of that, a big asterisk or caveat is going to be, it's counterintuitive, I want to admit it, but the smaller you make your niche, the greater the problem is going to be that you're going to solve. If you identify a greater problem, the solution, the transformation is going to be so much more needed and impactful and specific. So remember, audience, make it small. The problem is going to become big. Solution is going to be astronomical. It's going to be huge. If you find a smaller audience, I know the, the I've gone through this. I've gone through this so many times, and I, I've talked to uh, uh, you know peers of mine and business mentors. It's it's if you were to go to a store and I asked you to get me a bottle of water, please. There's 50 options inside that store. Now, by refining that, by getting people to you know asking some questions and getting that narrowed down, I'm reducing the amount of options for something to go wrong. So think about your your audience. Your audience is somebody who right now could be, you know, oh, we're just trying to help anyone because we're trying to build websites. It's going to be hard for you to identify a liked problem that everyone faces that you're going to be able to market to help solve the problem. But if you're able to shrink that audience size down, you can squeeze more out of it. You'll find and pinpoint bigger and bigger problems. And those problems are going to mean a lot more to the people that you're solving it for. So find a way to decide what is it we're going to offer here? What is it that we're going to give our community to allow them to, to you know, segment themselves into a smaller group. Maybe you, you start off as offering websites to everybody, but now you want to reduce it down and say, hey, we're going to do medical practitioners. Now, what's one thing that all medical practitioners hate or that they are facing right now with their website or whatever it might be? Maybe it's, you know, it's not easy to update. Maybe you can build a plugin that can work very specifically for medical practitioners to update the things that they need to update on a day-by-day or hour-by-hour basis. Maybe it's wait times. Maybe it's you know availability. Maybe it's forms and questionnaires, all of that. But if you identify that, that's, this is the key that you're going to need to be able to maximize the return on your investment. Because most people, and myself included, 
reach plateaus. You reach a plateau that is like, well, maybe, maybe I made $200,000 in sales this year, and next year I'm also making $200,000, and the year after that, $200,000. But you know what happens every year? Your expenses still somehow keep going up, and you feel like you're like you're, you're drowning or like you're stagnant and nothing is changing, it's because you're trying to do too many things. And that $200,000 that you're earning in revenue is not going to be able to solve all the extra dollars you're spending in marketing to 10 different places and to keep updating your site with new case studies that are you know, speaking to 10 different people. You, you need to find a way to limit it. And I know it hurts because you probably have made money in other areas and you're making a decision to go in this area specifically. So here's what you need to do. Decide on who the audience is going to be. Make it super specific. Make it so that it's easy for people to make a decision to talk to you. And then once they talk to you and you understand that, okay, this is very, very, very niche. Now I'm in a position to see what the common denominator is. What are the things that are challenging these people on the regular? Be innovative. This is where you can start to help your 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 business have that sure foundation is because now you're thinking in a place of okay if i want to leverage if i want to leverage my business my time my effort my team if i have one i want to make sure that we're going to be targeted we're going to be focused okay you know i i heard it said before a thousand watt light bulb can light up a room a thousand watt laser can 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 make a hole through metal so if we focus our energy into understanding what is our audience, what is the problem that we're solving, what is that solution or transformation that we're trying to get for people, that is going to help your business be a business that's not reliant solely on time and, and, and labor because now you can do it at scale. Now you can learn about automating something because the solution is the same every time. We're doing it so many times over and over and there's less customization. So let's talk about sales because this one, people think, you know, can be a little bit hard. Sales is the trifecta of understanding brands, branding or options and your transformation. And the third one is sales. A lot of people believe that sales is just, you know, I'm trying to get them to do what I want them to do. In a sense, you're, you're half right. The problem is you, you're trying to approach it as you're trying to make someone do something who is unwilling rather than offer something that makes perfect sense to someone by listening. Sales is something that often gets, I don't know, misconstrued. And I, and I, can, only, I can only imagine uh, how hard it is for people who have never done a sales role before. I was lucky I worked at a future shop, which was Canada's version of a Best Buy many years ago when I was a teenager. I guess I, guess I was in my early 20s. And we had to sell TVs and it was all commissioned. And we sold electronics, home theater systems, and car stereos and stuff like that. And I learned very quickly about who the top sellers were and who was making money and who was not getting those bonuses and who was just scraping by. 
And I immediately, because at the time I was a newlywed, I was, you know, in my early 20s, I was trying to make bank. (laughs) I was not coming here to work my butt off and just make a measly, uh, barely livable wage paycheck, you know, living in the, the greater Toronto area. So I realized that there were people in my department, specifically televisions and home theater, that were working minimally and you never saw them being loud or boisterous, but they were they were clearing six figures by the end of the year. So finally, I start to observe them in my first couple of weeks. I'm like, okay, what are they doing different than what my natural instinct is to do? Your natural instinct is to think somebody else is going to take your sale. You think it's predatory. You think that if I don't close this right now, somebody else will close this. Or they'll think that I'm not a good closer. I won't be able to complete the sale. So you have people that walk into the store. What happens? Hi, sir, can I help you? And you follow them around or you stay in close proximity to them the whole time. And if you've been to a store where there's commission sales, maybe a used car lot or something like that, it feels predatory. It does not feel good. And you can spot the person who's eyeing you a mile away. So instead of going there to try to coerce somebody or try to make them feel like it's their idea in the first place. You're, you're trying to manipulate the situation to, just to get to the end result. Instead of doing these things, first understand what your role is. I've realized when I was watching these other guys, they behaved like valets, like concierge. They behave like, I'm here to serve you. You are the ultimate person. I'm here to offer my services to you, if you so wish. Who, does pe- who do people want to make you know, a decision with? Do they want somebody who's going to help them like a little yuppie dog biting at their ankle, you know, stalking them as they're walking throughout the store? Or the person who's like, I am a product expert in this field. I am more than willing to help you when you are ready to make a decision. Um, And here I can offer you these three things right now as a flyer or this is the directions to where the, the department you're looking for. Sling, bang, boom. I'll be over here. My name is Mark. Thank you. And you saw, or at least I did, these season selling pros do this time and time again. They were nonchalant, extremely professional, very polite. And when it came time for them to be approached a second time by this person that would walk through a store, they would ask lots of questions. The person would say, I'm looking for a TV. They wouldn't say, what's your budget, which is what rookie move Bart would have done. How much money do you want to spend? Let me get you the biggest TV that you want, you know? They would say, well... Why do you need a TV? Where is it going? Because at the time I was selling TV, that's when we were transitioning from square TVs to rectangle TVs. That's how old I am. Uh, and you would, you would ask questions that made more sense. I watched these guys ask questions that would just general, real interest, like they were really caring as if this was for themselves. And then they would just listen empathetically, as if this was their problem that they had to solve. They would literally just say, where is this TV going to go? Is this thought, what, what is this going to do for you? You know, okay, this is maybe an upgrade because you have a square TV. Oh, okay, this is a home theater. You want to get a nice TV. Oh, okay, this is a gift. Excellent. 
And then you would just ask more questions and refine it down and refine it down and refine it down. And you know what would happen? Before you could even offer them 20 TVs, to fit the description as to what they said they wanted, there was only like one or two TVs. You would show them the two televisions. You explain the benefits and features. You would summarize everything for them. And they would choose and they'd give you the business. And then you would, because you understood that it was, you know, not an upgrade, but a home theater, now you could start talking about cabling and speakers, about surround sound and amplifiers, about, you know, satellite TVs and, you know, all these different things, cable boxes, because you listened rather than try to sell. When you are actively trying to sell, you've already misunderstood the dynamic of what the relationship is supposed to be like. If somebody comes to you and they are excited about talking with you, the first thing you should say, how can I help you? What can I do for you today? The small talk that you might want to engage in just makes you just makes them feel like you guys are just both two commoners talking about this idea but they know that they're they are busy they know that their money has value and that they're willing to spend it in a very specific way they know all of these things so if you just say hey how can i help you today i'm here to listen they're immediately going to tell you what the problem is that they're facing directly most likely and they're going to tell you all the uh, you know surrounding circumstances because they initially or innately rather understand themselves i'm just trying to get this but most of the time we start our conversations with oh man thanks so much for taking this call it was so great to talk to you yeah 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 i know so and so too this was great. Yeah, so, yeah, you're talking about a website, right? So what's, what's that going to look like for you? What kind of business are you run? If you're going to solve someone's problem, you need to make sure that you've done your research and understand who they are, what their business is. So when they come on the call with you, you are there as a service provider, as an expert, without selling anything. I'm not selling you on me or how qualified I am. I'm here to listen to you, to hear what you have to say as somebody who needs help. And my promise to you is I'm going to work hard listening so that I can help you get from your current reality to your future reality. Point blank. If you can be calm and empathetic and listen and obviously deliver on your promise of that transformation, that transformation is going to happen over and over and over because ultimately, as nice as you are, as caring as you are, as empathetic as you are, they appreciate those things, but they really just care about the results. Nobody who wants to buy a TV when I used to work at Future Shop was like, wow, Bart was such a nice person. We should go back and hang out with him or talk with him or, you know, like let's just prolong this buying experience longer just because I, I enjoy having somebody who, who listens to me. They appreciate the non-pushiness, but at the end of the TV, they made up their mind already before they walked in. I would like to leave here with a television if the circumstances are right. Okay, so if they have that in their mind and you have in your mind, I'm going to be here to listen and be here to, uh, to be able to help them, 
that transformation is going to happen over and over and over because people just want what they want. And when you understand those things about your business, it's going to allow you to breathe and to grow in a way that you've never seen before because it's not going to be as stressful. I wish I'm telling you all of this from a point of I got it all and everything is unlocked and it's beautiful and wonderful. No, I've, I've grown with stress for many years in this business because I didn't learn these things at the very beginning. I learned them about a year ago by trying to educate myself. The number one thing you need to fix in your business is your thinking, is your mind. What are you putting inside of yourself to better increase your understanding, your knowledge base that can actually fix your practical, fix that discipline that you have in your business? This is one of these transformational thinking things that happened to me one day by a combination of listening to different authors and podcasts and audiobooks where I was like, oh, the people are making decisions in very unique ways. And how I play my role affects directly who they choose to work with. And how I play my role affects directly how my business is developed and what our overall goal and mission is and how we move forward and what is the most important thing for us. So for us, at least for me as the leader, understanding buyers have choices. We now have brands, okay? Half the stuff that we have brands for are the exact same thing. So why is my Nalgene bottle better than a Stanley Cup or Camelback or whatever is just a brand. It holds a liter of water. This holds a liter of water. They're just the, pretty much the exact same thing. This has a few other features. Maybe this has a feature that this doesn't have. Whatever. But people want to be seen with the Nalgene. People want to associate with what Nalgene associates itself with. Understanding people have options is the most important thing. Number two is understanding the transformation versus transaction theory. This is not just quid pro quo. This is not just something that you do once because somebody is giving you something else. And lastly, understanding buyer's psychology, understanding selling. Okay, we're asking questions. We are here for to serve our clients, our customers. We're being empathetic. And we summarize it all and we help them and put it into a package for them so they feel heard and understood. This is how you level up and grow at a pace that is appropriate for your business if you're doing it well. Instead of being stagnant and feel like you're hitting a wall every day, every day, every day. Okay, guys, our time is up. I'm super excited about this series. I hope we can talk about it more. Uh, I want to talk more about basic foundation things about business and how it can really help you develop your thinking about the foundations of, of a creative agency. Okay, I've been Bart. Peace out. <laughs>